kid who's doesn't have a good home life or doesn't have a father figure, doesn't have leadership at, 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 at home, the, the kid sees this playing sports because the coach is, is leading them. This is the 2120 Podcast, where each week, two guys take an idea, an experience, or a topic that we're passionate about, and we talk about it with you for 20 minutes. I wasn't competitive in high school. I wasn't really competitive until I started working for the, the job I'm in now. And um, I, I played sports. I enjoyed sports, but I, I never really took them serious. But, you know, as I look at, you know, kind of my life and now like even like the girls, the girls life in sports and everything is based around a win and a loss. You know, that's kind of the, what everybody is, like, it's, it's stats. That's how you keep track of how good or how bad you are, wins versus losses. But at the end of the day, like that's the, the last thing you should be focusing on. You know, um, when teams win, there's a reason why teams win because they have a good coach. They have a great group of athletes. They have um, the I'm bought into you, you're bought into me, and together we're going to win mentality. Uh, the teams that lose, well, they don't have a good coach or they have one star athlete that's trying to do it all and you know, a bunch of followers on the team that don't feel like they're a part of something. Um, so if you want to win, you here are the keys to success with, with that. If you want to lose, here's... Um, here's that, you know, I think times are different right now. You know, back in the day, it wasn't, um, everybody gets a ribbon, you know, when we played sports, right. you know, if you show up, you got a ribbon. No, it's like you put the best kids on the field and they won the games and they won the trophy at the end of the, the tournament. Now it's like, well, we need to play Johnny. We need to play Susie. We need to play Greg because they haven't had any time yet. Even though we're, we're down, I got to pull off, you know, three better players because these three need time too. Now uh, that's a whole topic for another discussion, you know, whether that's good or bad, but um, it just was, well, it wasn't like that for you and I growing up, you know, you, you worked hard, you put the time in, you practiced and you practiced and you practiced and you practiced. And then um, when you needed to do something else, you practiced some more and the coach picked the best team to fill that squad on the court. Um, on the baseball field, wherever that where that was, and you know, you won games be, because of that. Um, I just, it's 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 totally different right now. When I was a wasn't when I was a young boy, about this time of year, um, I think it was third grade, and um, so we're we're talking a long time ago. The we we got a, a handout in our class to take home at the end of the week about summer baseball you put third and fourth graders together and then fifth and sixth graders together and um i thought man that'd be kind of fun i want to play baseball matt here's the thing i learned right away i didn't know anything about baseball right i only knew about baseball what i had seen on tv i had actually i never like my dad wasn't a sports guy we never threw a ball to each other in the backyard I got my first baseball glove, I don't know, a week or two before baseball practice started that summer. I'm the kid that they stuck in right field that was, you know, staring at the grass trying to pick dandelions because the balls weren't coming to me and I didn't know what to do. I had to learn in a very fast way that the illusions of grandeur I might have had as a nine or 10 year old 
uh, man, reality check right now. And, and it was like the first sure. time a pitch came in there and you know, you could, wow, that was kind of scary. I was stepping away from the plate. I was, I was at the edge. If I think my heels were outside of the batter's box because I was scared of the ball. I had to learn that first of all, uh, if I wanted to do what these other kids were doing, I looked at their gloves. Their gloves were worn. They were, they were oiled. You could tell they were either hand-me-downs or those gloves had caught a lot of baseballs. And I didn't even understand little things like choking up on a bat. I had a batting average of 12, by the way, 12. <laughs> I literally, solid. yeah, right, solid. I remember getting that one hit where I actually got on base, but I struck out every time. And I just remember a couple of things. My mom and, uh, you know, dad was working. Mom encouraged me. She's like, she would come and watch me at the games. And she just said, stick with it. You, you know, keep trying. You did a good job. Now, sometimes that was helpful. But other times the reality was I was in tears because it was embarrassing to continue to have that. So I think the first lesson that I took away from this is, well, if you want to be good at something, you have to invest in it. And I didn't know that. I just, I, I literally didn't know. I walked into that baseball season. Um, I, I guess just completely oblivious to what it meant to be a baseball player at nine years old. It, you know, you have to want it to, I, you know, I have a very similar story, you know, tryouts for uh, a traveling team in, in O-line back in the day. And um, if I made the team great, if I didn't make the team, whatever, like I wasn't like, I could go one way or the other, but all my, all my buddies played. So I, it was just that thing that we did. So I went and tried out and I, I didn't take it serious. You know, like you, they time you running around the bases, you know, you go as fast as you can. And God, I remember I didn't go as fast as I could, you know, um, hitting balls. You know, I, I hit the balls, but I wasn't like, I wasn't sh like showing off trying to make this team because I didn't care, you know, and that's, that was the difference for me where maybe if I did care, things would be different. Um, but you know, I played, I played baseball in, in high school and I, I enjoyed it. It was fun but I just never took things serious, but you, you have to want it. Yeah. I, that is the biggest thing is um, if you don't want something, you could still do it. And there's, there's, there's naturally gifted athletes that don't want things, but they're just good. Right. They just show up in there. <laughs> right. Good. I remember those guys. Um, yeah. Like I was flipping through the social media yesterday and they had a thing about Niall Kinnick and I didn't know he played basketball, but he was like a conference leader in basketball I'm like holy crap this guy played football he played basketball and like they're just naturally gifted athletes that just show up and they can they can dominate but at the end of the day they're like that's not their sport yeah. um where I wasn't a naturally gifted athlete right. I showed up but I didn't show up you know so you know the for the, the challenge for me now as a dad with my girls like if they want to do something sure that's let's go let's go do it but they, they have to go they have to want it you know, they, it's not, they're never going to get pressured into doing something because I want them to do it. Uh, at the end of the day, they're going to want to do it. You know, that, that takes me, that's so interesting how you said that stuff. And it just makes my mind roll on this because <clears throat> the, the one time that I got pretty serious about the sport, uh, was when I got into high school and I loved basketball. I still love basketball and not naturally gifted. I'm five feet nine. So I'm already, I'm already behind, you know, some of the other kids that were quite a bit taller, um, but man, I, uh, I invested a lot of energy into that and I really was excited about it. I didn't have a mindset of entitlement. I had a mindset that I'm going to have to work, work, work and work. Um, truth of it was, is, is we, we weren't a good squad. We had a, we had a, uh, a terrible couple of seasons, but I learned so many things out of that. And one of the things that, that I learned that, that I want to share is 
is uh, we learned how to lose because we lost a lot of games. And, and after a while, um, you can get complacent with that. And I also learned, I also learned what that looked like that. Uh, I mean, there was games where we got smoked, we got blown out. So as a junior, um, that was my playing time. And I remember times that I didn't want to go in the game because it was like, man, we're down 30 points. There's three minutes left in the game. I don't want to do this. And that was a wake up call for me because that was a time that I could go in and, and have some different competition that wasn't inside of practice to try things, to build confidence, um, and just see what would happen. And so, so junior year, I learned a lot, but when you learn how to lose, uh, the other piece that's so important with that is how to win gracefully. And we also saw how to, how to win without grace. So there were teams that we were playing teams like, um, get this, this is crazy. I played against Kurt Warner. Kurt played for Cedar Rapids Regis. They beat us like 60 points, right? They were not, not Kurt. I don't remember him, but a lot of those guys, they didn't win with grace. There were times I remember playing Waterloo Columbus. They didn't win with grace. Like they were talking to us. They were telling us how bad we were the whole time they were knocking us down. When we finally had wins, I'll tell you what, we remembered that. And while we were exuberant because we won, it wasn't because, you know, the exuberance didn't translate over into like mocking somebody else. And, and uh, that's always stuck with me. I, I just, I've always hated that mentality that, that it's not enough just to win. You have to humiliate somebody along the way. Yeah. yeah you, you definitely see it. You know, you see it as a, a parent watching a sport you see it you know as a player playing the sport when you just keep your foot on the opponent's throat and you just keep driving that ball you know to the hoop and, and scoring um you know danielle and the girls you know for as young as they are they have a very solid squad that she's she's a coach of and they're they could easily run up the you know run up the scoreboard but danielle puts you know and <laughs> my girls get so mad because <laughs> They want to score right. goals. So then, you know, Daniel puts Laney in into the goal, you know, and says, Nope, you're going to be our goalie now. And she's like, well, this, this sucks. <laughs> I want to go score goals. But you know, it's, it's one of those things too, as a coach, Daniel knows how devastating it is for the other team when you are getting beat and you're getting beat bad. So you're, you're pulling some of your star, you know, athletes out of positions that they, sh- they should be playing, you know, to not completely destroy the other team. Um, you know, and the, the tough part is the parents don't want to see that. Parents want to clap and, and scream because their their team is just dominating where the other team is, is quiet and that's that that hurts. So, you know, the, the it goes back to what I said in the beginning, you know, wins versus losses. That's what everybody, you know, holds their hat on and, and that's what, you know, stats are come from. But like there's so much to learn, you know, from a, a win and there's so much even more to win from a loss that, you know, are you really focusing on those or you constantly just win at such a high level that we're always going to be the best and we're never going to get beat. And that mentality, you will get beat. You know, there's story after story after story of, you know, these amazing teams that took the other team for granted because they were so much better than them and they didn't show up. And this other team showed up and kicked their butt, you know? So, you know, the goal of a coach is, you know, to obviously to do your best for your players and, and, and lead them, but, you know, when to, to, you know, draw the line between a total, you know, ass kicking compared to just a, a good game between two teams. You know, you, you made me think about 
the movie Miracle. It's one of my favorite movies, uh, period. Uh, and I'm not a hockey fan. I, I do not like hockey. But that 1980 Olympic team, the, the United States um, going into, I don't remember what round it was, but when, when they defeated the Russian team, the Soviet Union, where they were called at the time, I remember watching that with my mom on TV. I'm old enough to remember that. And, and to watch the movie afterwards and to see how um, – coach Herb, I don't remember what his last name was, brought that team together and the role that he played, like he wasn't trying to be their friend. He was pushing them to an extreme level. He was, he was doing what great coaches do. And he was, he was extracting uh, their potential from them. And he got them to believe in a way that they hadn't believed before. And then his assistant coach was a little bit more of the soft guy. You know, it was, it was almost the good cop, bad cop. He was the guy that, that came in there and, and befriended a lot of the players and encouraged them and came alongside after Herb had, had, had like just spanked them. Literally, he, he was the guy that came in and kind of put his arm around him. But there's so many moments in that movie that, that are breakthroughs that I love. And I think this is why like we're so missing sports right now is, is that you get a chance to see how a team of 19 and 20 year old college boys were competing against this juggernaut of, of professionals basically. And, and one of my favorite scenes in that moment is the inspirational speech that, that, Herb gives the team before they go out and play the Russians. And he said, they might beat us nine out of 10 times, but not this night. And he just instilled this unbelievable belief in his, in his players. And wow, like what if we were doing that with the teams that we work with and the people around us, that would be an incredible thing. Well, you know, good coaches show this, you know, to uh, uh, um, a kid who's, doesn't have a good home life or doesn't have a father figure, doesn't have leadership at, 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 at home, the, the kid sees this playing sports because the coach is, is leading them. Now, not every team has a good coach. So that's the, I mean, I've, <laughs> I played true. multiple, multiple sports with multiple different coaches and I, it was all across the board. You had the coach that, you know, basically just got asked to coach a team and didn't want to. So he basically just go, or he, she goes through the motions and, it is what it is, but nobody learns anything. Nobody's having fun. It's just uh, going through the motions. You have the coaches that are on the other end of the spectrum that are completely invested in the players, buying into them, teaching teaching them, them to buy into others, teaching them about worth ethic, you know, all these things that you, know, you fast forward to an adult, you look back and go, man, because of coach blah, 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 picking me up every morning at 6 a.m. to go to basketball practice, like I'm – I. I get up and I, I go, I go to work and I do this because he instilled that this is important. And we, this is, this is, this is life. Um, where not every coach has that, you know, the, the never quit mentality, show up and never quit. You know, I think of coaches that, you know, you work hard and you, you put the time in and if you never quit, you're going to get results. Um, you know, the, the mentality that, um, you just, if, if you don't quit, you, you'll always succeed. And, um, the game is never over until it's over. You know, right. I think that's one of the, the biggest things. And you watch, you watch how many games that the team is down and then they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And the last second shot goes up and it's in and the game's over and the, the other team won because they just never back down from that, from that challenge of there's still time on the clock. We still have air in our lungs. Let's, let's go get this and, and make it happen. And uh, 
you know, good coaches teach that good coaches show the teams that of the, the what's possible. And, uh, it's tough right now because our kids and our, you know, there's no sports. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when this does get opened back up and teams come together again. And it's almost like meeting your squad for the first time, right. you know, things have changed. Oh gosh. You know, Joe, you look like you got a little, little fat over the over break. You know I mean? There's, there, there's, there's players that have put in extra time. Um, there's players that have put in no time and now you're all coming back together with the one goal of, world domination or whatever that looks like for your, 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 you know, when, uh, when we went down and spent time with Dan Gable and we interviewed him coming into elevate last fall, I don't know if you asked it or if I asked it, but it was, what was harder, you know, being, he was talking about the three phases, right? So there was Dan Gable, the athlete, then there was Dan Gable, the coach. And, and I remember him talking about it being more challenging and harder to be a coach than it was to be the athlete. As the athlete, he had total control over his his emotions and his ethic, you know, work ethic and his commitment and his diet, all these kinds of things. As a coach, uh, he would want it so bad for his for his wrestlers. And uh, I remember him expressing that 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 was harder for him to be the coach and to see guys invest all of this energy. And then ultimately maybe lose, you know, in a match that, that might have got them a national championship or something. So I thought that was really profound because he was another guy that reminds me a lot of Herb from, from the, uh, the hockey movie. Um, you know, Dan is, Dan is a living legend in the, in the sense of coaching and demanded the best and recruited people that, that could you know, live to those, those expectations. Um, and, and then he would push them to places that they didn't know they could go. So awesome. Yeah. You know, Dan knew what his limits were as a, as yeah. a wrestler, he knew how far past those limits he could go and still win. And as a coach, you know, you have to find out what those limits are from, from your players. Um, you have to push them, you have to challenge them. And then when you think that they're at their limit, you got to push them even harder. And, you know, not every athlete works that way. I mean, you just, just in like in leadership, you have to wear a different hat with every athlete, with every yes. associate you work with, because you push someone too hard, they break yes. and they quit and they're, they're done. And you have to know that mm-hmm. if I'm pushing Joe this hard and he's at his max, I can push Zach even harder. We can go, we can go farther past that, but I know what my limitation limitations are as a coach. And I think that's where Dan was great was he tapped into that with the mentality that I'm going to push you as hard as I can to get the best out of you. And at the end of the day, we're going to win together as a team. And you know, the, the stories that him him and I have talked about, you know, of years down the road, these grown men, adults, you know, that are having issues in life are calling Dan and talking through things, you know, they're, they're struggling or whatever that is that just doesn't happen by accident. You know, you rewind to when they were on the mat and I guarantee you there was athletes that wanted to kill him because he was so just push, push, push. And like they're in the verge of like wanting to fight. And now they're that, that person is calling saying, Hey, I need your help. Talk through this with me. You know, that's, that's the level of a coach that is, is mind blowing to me. So as we kind of wind down here, Matt, what's one or two things that you would pass on that you want to tell your children, or maybe you want to look at it from, you want to pass on to associates and your crew where you work. Um, I think, I think it's cycling, you know, the suck 
at the time is the worst thing ever. You know, you, you're hurting so bad. You're pushing so hard. Your heart feels like it's going to pop out of its, your chest. Your legs are on the verge of cramping up. Um, you know, you you can barely breathe and it's super easy to slow down. It's super easy just to stop and go, I, I'm just training. I can stop right now. I can pick it back up tomorrow, but I have 10 minutes left of, of this workout or I have a mile left of this race. You know, I think the, the funny thing is, when it's all said and done and it's over, <laughs> you laugh because it wasn't that bad. You know, you get off the bike and, you know, I did a workout yesterday and, you know, I'm soaked in sweat and I can barely breathe and I'm, I'm literally like bent over in the sweat dripping onto the, the mat. And I'm just like, man, that really sucked. And then I got in the shower and I got out of the shower and I checked my results and how I did. And I was like, wow, I did pretty good. You know, at, the, at that time, it was horrible. It was the worst feeling ever. But when it was all said and done, it, it really wasn't that bad. And, you know, that, that really wasn't bad mentality makes you better in the long term because you can get on the bike today or tomorrow and go, I'm going to do a hard workout. But I, I know when it's all said and done, it's really not going to be that bad. I'm not dying. I'm going to push myself as hard as I can, but I'm not going to die when this is all over. So if you have that mentality of, you know, finding out what your limits are, um, pushing as far to those limits as possible and knowing exactly what you're capable of, I think that gets you to your goal farther, faster, because you just know what you you know what to do. You know, and and for me, I think the thing that I want to pass on, and it's, it's been so prominent in my life because, and it's being coachable. Because there's been times in my life when I haven't been coachable. I remember times in, in high school in my, when my basketball coach got on me. He wasn't the most assertive and aggressive man. So sometimes it felt a little passive aggressive. And that, that's never worked very well for me. But there was one time I remember he called me out for being very inconsistent on defense. And uh, I'm basically mad. I'm on the practice squad. So it wasn't like I was, I I had a little bit of a bad attitude that season. This is in my junior season. We were getting crushed and killed and I'm riding the bench. I'm like, this stinks, you know? So I have a bad attitude. And at the end of the season, in preparation for the senior season, he said, here's what you need to work on. And you think it's about your shot and you think it's about getting stronger or any of these things. He says, you got to work on your attitude. You got to work on being coachable. And I'm like, man, you know, that it hurt because it exposed that vulnerability that I didn't know. And at the same time, it was one of the greatest gifts he could have given me was, was that knowledge that I thought I was pretty coachable. But he talked to me about attitude. He talked to me about you got to bring it every single day. And when I'm coaching you or when our assistant coach is coaching you and you want to get defensive and push back and fight, they're going to move on. Like if you're not going to be coachable, why would I invest in you? So, so that was a huge, huge lesson. Yeah. And you know, great coaches in leadership and on the court, find those blind spots, the things that you don't see in yourself and go, if you just look at this and focus on that, you're going to get better because of it. But like you, like you said, you also have to accept that and not let that be a chip on your shoulder. And, you know, cause you easily could have said, well, the coach thinks I had a bad dude and I'm one of the best players on the team. So like he's, he's stupid. I'll just, I'll get a new coach next year at the different, a different level right. instead of buying into it. But it all goes back to, you know, the word belief. And when there's belief in the team and belief in the, you know, the, the end goal, 
it's, it's easy to accept some of those blind spots because you know, it's coming from a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, this has been a lot of fun today. I, I enjoyed l- learning some of this stuff about you <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like, it, it brings a little levity to everything that we're talking about, but it, it comes down to like grit and resilience and determination and just like that, that winning mindset. So for sure. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I am Jim. I'm Matt. And we'll see you next time. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for topics, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at 2120podcast at gmail.com. That's the words 21 spelled out, followed by the numbers 20podcast at gmail.com. We'll make it easy and include a link to that email address in the description. If you're enjoying listening to two guys take a random topic and talk about it for 20 minutes, hey, it would mean a lot to Matt and I if you would rate it, write a review, and share it with others. Thank you again for tuning into the 2120 Podcast.